Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast before I get too into it and probably forget. Shout out to our guy Chappie. He invited me on WBOB, the college football impact with Pat and the Waxman. So I did an interview for a radio show. That was fun. And then a shout out to the Basic Blues podcast. It's a Penn State podcast with Morgan Chapman. That was a good half hour talk. Go look up the Basic Blue podcast. Definitely if you're a Penn State fan. I would say even if you're an Iowa fan this week, if you want a more in-depth conversation about Iowa and Penn State, Morgan did a great job. So So two Chapmans? How crazy is that? Wow. And, And the times at one point were the exact same that they... That they no offered kidding. up to me to record. That was hard to keep straight, but I figured it out at some point. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is week six. Week six already. So we got only five games this week, but they're all Big Ten teams. So we got 10 Big Ten teams in action. All five ranked teams are in action this oh. week. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, all time Central Standard Time. So we got four idle teams this week on me and Kurt's quest to make sure people accurately use that term there's not a bye week yeah, you're not winning anything and advancing you're We're just not, not a playing you're just not yeah. playing you're idle you're idle okay speaking of idle weeks that's indiana minnesota northwestern and purdue could have those idle weeks been timed out any better for those teams yeah i mean they they all need it indiana they're, they're licking their wounds minnesota Finally, got a big win though. Minnesota's doing okay. But beat up. But beat up. Yep. Northwestern, boy, Oof. they they could take a couple weeks, maybe. <laughs> maybe they just want to. Do <laughs> yeah. And Purdue, I, yeah, I mean Purdue. I'm not so, but I yeah. mean they start three and zero. They drop two. I mean, yeah. no harm, no foul. You lose to uh, Notre Dame, but I feel like they're beat up as well. I don't know. I just feel like as far as when your idle week falls those teams did really well david bell could use another week off i think right he'll come back full strength you have to assume after this week uh speaking of 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 teams and and their fan bases um boy twitter was on fire this week big 10 twitter on fire uh we got some we got some confident fan bases oh yes oh yes not that it's never confident like that i just feel like it's confidence on steroids this week Iowa, Penn State, both of their fan bases going into this game. Uh, Michigan, Nebraska, both of their fan bases going into this game. And I would throw in Michigan State, Rutgers. Those two fan bases don't seem to be as chippy to me, probably mostly because there's not a ton of Rutgers fans on the Twitter sphere. But, whoo, man, somebody's got to lose these games, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I mean, there's not a, I guess there's not a whole lot of teams that are unconfident, but Indiana's not feeling very confident right now. I would say the ones that aren't feeling that confident are the ones are that are not playing. Idle, yeah. maybe Minnesota. Throw Illinois in there. <laughs> yeah, but they're playing. So um, another another housekeeping item, if you will, the the underarm tape that we discussed two the, podcasts. The, anno- the annoying underarm tape that looks stupid and rolls down the arm by mid second quarter. And then, I don't know, do they put a new one on at halftime? Probably, whatever. That's interesting. Never thought about that. It's called... KT tape. Yeah. So I, I'm going to name it something else. It's not Katie tape. It's Karen tape because it's annoying. Which I think is fantastic. So, By the way, I got that definition from my nephew, who is a high school football player. Yeah. And just 
completely views both of us as old men yelling at clouds. Right. So he was making fun of us. Accurately. Like, <laughs> correct. So he was making fun of us. Like, dude, it's, it's KT tape, you know? Um, anyways, everybody has... Oh, oh, and the Carthaginian <clears throat> did keep some Newman gloves. Oh, he, that's right. Yes. yes. So yes. I, I'm, I'm hoping I will see my family this weekend. I hope he kept them in a Ziploc bag because oh, that, those belong down here. We they should be. Those in the are downstairs. big. Ta- that's Big Ten lore, right? There. That should, that's we should have those in the yes. in the downstairs. Should hang them. I will put that request out to the hang Carthaginian. Like, like a, uh, what's the the stuff at Christmas? It's the the, the, the mistletoe. Oh, there you hang go. Hang it like a mistletoe. We'll just hang it up here. Yeah. But what are you... I don't, I don't want to kiss anybody, so I don't know what you do. I when think you, you have to high five when you're Okay. Under it. Slap on the butt. It's, there you go. Slap, Slap on, on the, the butt. butt. There you go. Um, got some injuries, right? Okay. Injuries. Dante Damas out for the year, unfortunately. Didn't report. I was him. hoping it was just a hyperextended knee yeah, that I mean, wasn't oof, a big deal. God, that one looked bad. So Trey Potts, we don't know his status, was in the hospital. Stayed in West Lafayette. Did not come home with and, the team. And let's always say that Danimal, a uh, big fan of the podcast... He went and watched the end of the game. Trey Potts played all the way till the end of that mm. game. I believe it was the last carry of the game. Okay. Went to Trey Potts. He's out, up, walking around. Yeah, it was weird when I heard that because I didn't... I, I watched the game. I don't remember him not being in the game. He was never not in the yeah. game. He was there to the end of the game. I believe he's home now, but still up in the air on his health. Hopefully he's so, okay. Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz went to the hospital. Don't know his status. Jake Ferguson, we're not sure about him either. The time no hospital, first. just no hospital, area. but sounds like maybe injured. T- some TP news. Yeah, Hoosiers running back, IU running back Tim Baldwin is is in the portal. I mean, that's a guy that was he's in the running back he rotation. Was, he was toting the rock, and they can't afford to lose running backs right now. Speaking of running backs, Samson James for Purdue, I think he got rejected for his waiver. He will not be playing this year. Speaking okay. of IU. And Purdue. Yeah. So wait till next year, Purdue fans. They could use a Samson James in their backfield. They could. Yeah. Um, and one more potential transfer portal person that I saw here, Spinner Shells. Yeah. Well, it, it's one of the first people I thought of when I saw that. Actually, maybe the first person I thought of when I saw. Your your thought press, that's not him. There's no way that's him. No, it was it was Herbs. Herbs, Herbs being naughty. I really did not believe it was him when I first saw the video. I felt we had... I thought we had video evidence that it was him. Yeah. What did you think of Ryan Day wearing the exact same pinkish fuchsia's quarter zip with a blue sh- that that Herbs was wearing oh, to his that press conference? He did. Yeah. So he wore the same undershirt too. Blue undershirt, you know, reddish pinkish uh, quarter zip with Ohio State. They must emblem. have did that on purpose, right? I don't know how that can't be. What What's the message he's trying to send there? I, I support Herbs. Supporting Herbs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to hear my real deep cut? Yeah. Herbs wants out of Jacksonville. This is the way to do it, baby. Wow. You think he wants out? Do you think I'm crazy throwing that? I, I've, if, mean, the, if anything the last couple years have done, it's turned me into a conspiracy theorist, apparently. Okay. And I, I don't know. Is I he, he got two games into it, and he's like, what the bleep am I doing in Jacksonville? two games into it? Into year one? Come on. I think Herbs is the type of guy that mostly looks out... <clears throat> For Urban, oh, so I think so. Yeah, so I, I think I think we know that based on the video evidence now. All right, um, I got I, anything else here? How, how could it be that much of a disaster though? And, and by the way, th- th- this is all hearsay, but it just sounds like the, the players hate players it. hate him, hate it. And his talk ahead of time 
was good. He was all about, I know this isn't a college football team. I know that you can't run it like that. These are grown men. I'm going to adjust my style to the situation I'm in. He said all those things, you know, in the offseason after he got the job. But something's up. Yeah, so you think they hate it because he's he's not doing what he said he would do because he is running it like a college program. I have no idea. I guess now that you ask me that question, I really don't know. It just seems like we have enough proof. Like Trevor Lawrence, by the way, I didn't like the article, the, the interview he did yeah. in, in Sports Illustrated. I don't know if I've even talked about it in this podcast, but he basically was like, if football works, great. If football doesn't work out, eh. I mean, that's basically what he said. He looks like he's about half into it. And then you add in all of the stuff going on. Anyways, there's always yeah, some so- dysfunction in the NFL, but they are the lightning rod for it right now. Well, it just sounds like there's no respect, I think is what it is. The players don't respect herbs. Could be. Is what it sounds like. I mean, again, a lot of this stuff is rumors. Just yeah. things you hear leaking out of the locker room. All right, moving on to the games. All five of these games take place on Saturday, October 9th. Before we sat down, uh, we had to dial in these lines up to the minute. And, boy, they are toit. Yeah, they toit. are. I had to make a few changes to, to who covers and who didn't. You know things are tight when a line moving a point or a half a point can actually make a difference on your prediction. Long story short, um, I've only got a couple of these that I feel pretty confident about. Yeah. It's true gambling for, oh, most, absolutely. Of, for most of these. And you're, you know, I, I would assume people have figured this out, but if, if I do an over under one point above or below, that means I think they've nailed the over under and I don't want to touch it. Yeah. And kind of the same with the, the games is spreads as well. You're getting a lot of that in this podcast mm-hmm. here. I don't know about you. I'm interested to see some of your picks here. So first game up, the 4-1 and one Maryland Terrapins traveling into the horseshoe to take on the 4-1 and one number 7th ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox. Line, Bucks by 21. Over-under, by far the highest over-under on the page this week at 71. Looking Mm. like upper 70s and dry in the horseshoe. Going to be good to go. Vegas is saying something like a 45-24 to game by the Buckeyes. 86% of the money is on the Buckeyes. Wow. Well, so the first thing, obviously Maryland not feeling quite as confident as they were a couple weeks ago. And remember, that all started with Dante Demas getting injured. Now they know he's out for the year. That's going to affect their psyche, I think. We need to see a Rakim Jarrett step up for Maryland. We need to see a Jayshon Jones step up for Maryland. We haven't seen them really break out yet this year. It was it was Dante Demas. Correct. He was the guy. Yeah. I mean, I say three things they need to rebound from. Just the performance last Friday night in general, it leaves you a bad taste in your mouth. You already nailed the second one I have here. Dante Demas's injury. And you got to kind of wonder about Tulia Tungaviola's confidence after doing that. I mean, he was riding high, probably thinking printing the money, you know, for how far up he's going to get drafted. And now after that, you got to go on the road to one of, if not the toughest environments in the Big Ten. Um, So, I mean, I feel like if Maryland is going to make this a game, two things are going to have to happen. Okay, they're they're going to have to score. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I know that's redundant, but they're going to have to put a lot of points on the board. This this does not seem like a a a defense, although improved, that's going to keep Ohio State under even thirty thirty five points would be, I would think, putting it out there too much. Now, the one thing I would say that is in Maryland's favor, continuing on their defense, is if you look up the stats, 
Maryland's in the top 10 for sacks. So they mm. are very good at getting to the quarterback. I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's enough from what I'm seeing here. Well, so one thing that I think Maryland has to do is they obviously got exposed by Iowa's defense. Phil Parker saw something in that offense. And so can locks adjust to what Phil Parker exposed last So what week? you're saying is Ohio State's defensive staff might see a couple things that were on Oh, I think they're going to be looking at what's on film, and I think – I think it, it's going to make life a little more difficult for them in offense. Speaking of Ohio, that's a really good point. Speaking of Ohio State, we're getting up on Halloween here. Okay, they're getting scary. <laughs> like, oh, I know. So I think they're coming together. Here's the thing: is this a fair statement? Ohio State's offense is quite a big step down from Ohio State's offense the past two years. They're all, I mean, it's a step down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, okay, a, yes. it's a firm step down. But I'll give you a step yeah. after, after this. But well, go ahead. They're, they're they're number one in total offense. And on the, top of that, okay. yards per play. Okay. That's what I was going to say. They're, they're, they're leaps and bounds. Okay. They, the, they have 8.6 yards per play. The second best team in the country has 7.2. <laughs> and this that's from pick six previews. And I think he also said... The difference between them and the second team is the same as the difference between the second team and the 37th team in the country. That's insane. <laughs> and we think this is an off year for them offensively. <laughs> Do you, you want to talk about being being attacked for your own success? That's what Ryan Day is at here. I mean, it's because yes. really you can even go back to the year before Justin Fields. I mean, that offense was absolutely exploding as well. And then you so then you look at, you know, it's been the quarterback play, obviously having you know, three NFL or two NFL draft picks in the last three years. But then you look at CJ Stroud, 64% completion, just short of 1300 yards, a 13 to three touchdown to interception ratio. Well, and it seems like his early struggles of, of missing throws are gone. At least they have been last couple or last week. I guess he's, he's improved that. Don't don't you think? I mean, he was dialed in. I, so one caveat I would add to that. So I agree with you 90%, 80%. The one caveat I would have with that is I would want to see CJ Stroud in a big environment before I could completely say he's Fair. Yeah. settled down. Uh, but, but I think maybe he was just a little, just a little nerves early on in the season, which you can't, can't blame a 19 year old kid taking over the quarterback role at Ohio state. Yeah. And then back but, to Maryland quick. Uh, you know, I wondered about locks in a big game. Didn't go so well last week, so that's kind of going to be my deciding factor here, I think. I think Ohio State's hitting their stride. I think the confidence of the Terps is a little, you know, a little beaten up right now. So I'm going Ohio State to win the game, but I'm also going Ohio State to cover. So 47-20, to 20, Ohio State win, and that's an under. I kind of like that under right there. I thought about that for the Amador double Barrel 71's lock. a lot. Yeah, but that, I, I'm not doing it. Yeah. seventy so, 71 points. Last week, Ole Miss, Alabama was 79 points. I hit that one. That was crazy high. I mean, this is only eight points under. Like, the way that Maryland can keep this under by a lot is if they just get to C.J. Stroud. I don't think it's enough to win the game, but it could force Ohio State to punt a little bit more often. I just think all of the stuff that we have gone through here with Ohio State stats, like it's coming together. This is a wounded Maryland team. I've got Ohio State 48, Maryland 17. So that's an under as well. And with Ohio State covering the 21, that's my Amador. 
lock of the week. The double barrel. Double barrel lock of the week. I don't know how I screwed that up, but I did. All right. Next game up, the 5-0, number 11-ranked Michigan State Spartans traveling into Piscataway to take on the 3-2 Rucker Scarlet Knights. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. Lions Sparty by 5 over under an even 50. little cooler, possible rain in Jersey on Saturday. Vegas is saying something like a 28 to 23 Spartans win. 78% of the money is on Sparty. Oh, wow. Okay, so Rutgers, I was wondering, what's their psyche like right now? They're, they might be beat up a little bit after getting trounced by Ohio State. Read an article with our little friend Isaiah Pacheco this week. And he made it very clear, and it was believable. You never know what to think in these interviews. He's like, no, 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 we haven't lost confidence. We're still a confident team. So what? you're making a face to me. What do you think of that? I love it. Okay. Well, this this isn't, I'm interested in what you're saying. Face. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, he, he was adamant. No, no, no. We are still on track. We know we're a good team. We didn't lose our confidence last week against Ohio State. Interesting. And a funny thing, the only person I have written down from here for my Rutgers person I want to talk about, Isaiah Pacheco. Oh, okay. Because I believe Isaiah Pacheco is going to have, he's going to be a, a focal point of the Rutgers offense on Saturday. I hope so. He they, should be. They need to run the ball. I mean, that is, that's a tenant of the Greg Schiano thought process with offense, especially this year where when Rutgers was on their three-game winning streak before they dropped their last two, two, two by the way, Michigan and Ohio State, right. who are both in the top 10, and you could say playing some of the best football in the entire country. And by the way, it looked pretty good against Michigan. Looked pretty good versus Michigan. So how did they look good versus Michigan and the three games they won? They didn't turn the ball over. That was the number one thing. They didn't turn the ball over. They played good defense. They did what they had to do on offense. I am confident that Rutgers is going to get back to doing that this week. Um, and then flipping it over to Sparty, I mean, to them, there's there's no player statements that get put out for Michigan State right now. They they're, are rolling. Yeah, they're sailing right now. But here's my big question. I mean, every team like this comes back to earth at some point, don't you think? And the other thing is I announced my fandom of, for Michigan State last week. I'm a fan Sparty, I'm sorry. You, you kind of you got kind of a double stand game going on here. You've always kind of been a Rutgers yeah, guy. I, have. I know you're, you're newly so maybe on that Michigan cancels State. It out. Maybe yeah. the Rutgers thing cancels it out. Yeah, I don't know where your bias is at this week. It's very hard to figure out. Um, just like to throw out, uh, of course, the national podcasts and and radio shows that I listen to. They're they're all over Bijan Robinson's jock, the running back for Texas. Don't get me wrong, very good running back. Our guy Kenneth Walker still got more yards than Bijan. Okay, so. I just want to throw that out. I feel like, I feel like if, isn't there a dog breed named Bichon? Is there? Yeah, there's a Bichon Freeze. I think it's kind of a weird I'm not, name. I'm not a dog, not a not a canine type of guy. Okay, so here's one concern I have for Rutgers, though. Sorry, bounce back to Rutgers. Yeah, but... you know, to keep up with Michigan State, great offense so far this year. They're going to need some big plays. Where are their big plays going to come from? And and here's one thing we didn't mention in the housekeeping because we don't know the status. Bo Melton left the game early last week. Raekwon O'Neal left the game early last week, the offensive tackle. That's probably them Them and Pacheco are probably the three big, best players on the offense. And then also Max Melton on the defense, who was playing good early, he's not going to be – I don't think he's going to be back on the team this year. Okay. So that, that that's he was a playmaker on defense. That's a problem. That that makes me lose confidence in Rutgers. Um, 
But linebacker Cal Halliday is out for the first half for Michigan State. That stupid targeting thing last week. So he's out. So maybe that balances out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and how long can their defense keep giving up so many yards? Michigan State. Yeah, but I yeah. guess I guess I don't expect them to do that this week. No, because this isn't the offense that that takes yardage in bunches, or at least it hasn't been for most of the year. Another another stat, like I said, I think I think stats start to play at this time of the year. Sparty is fifth in the country in sacks. They're just short of four sacks wow. per game, which I just. I don't know, like like stats that you thought you would see back in August, Sparty being that high up in sacks. I'm and not so saying I they... thought they were going to be low. I just okay. that high up. It's it's very impressive for a hodgepodge they've had. The defensive coaches have had to put together. But how they keep how are they letting up so many passing yards if they're getting after the quarterback? That's I mean, strange. it's a feast or famine thing. Like I said, every time Michigan State is on your TV screen, you can expect something crazy to happen. Like they're the most fun team. They are the most watch. fun team yeah. to watch. And speaking of yards per play, we were talking about that before. They are seventh in the country at offensive yards per play yeah. according to pick six previews yeah and a lot of that is just big plays baby big plays okay so i was really i wanted this to be my upset special of the week i really did i tried to talk myself into it but every way i l- slice this thing i see a sparty win so i'm going michigan state 27 Rutgers 20 that's a sparty cover and that's an under all right um i don't know this is a shiano thing for me uh it's a gut feel i i I don't mean this as like I have to pick an upset just because I I can't do chalk every week. Yeah. This is a this is the time of year. It's right around I swear, week 6, week 7 when we're second, third, maybe fourth and we're not that far, okay? But second, third or fourth Big 10 specific weekends yeah. where you start seeing these staffs get together, they they and that's where you see the upsets, right? So I I think historically speaking, I'm not crazy. And I do kind of see that here. I think Rutgers is. I think Rutgers is going to get back to not turning the ball over. Okay. I think it's just a little bit of sloppy play that gets Michigan State. They kind of get stunned a little bit. I've got Rutgers twenty-seven, Michigan State twenty-four. That's an over fifty-one by one point. I think they've nailed that. I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited to see this game. I'm okay. I'm torn, like you said. I like both of these teams. I would love to see Rutgers pull this out. I, I wouldn't see. I wouldn't love to see Rutgers. To be honest with you, for the Big Ten, it's best if Michigan State keeps on yes. winning. So, I'll. I'll I, I don't want to annoy Rutgers fans, but as far as the Big Ten is concerned, it's better if Michigan State wins. So I will be cheering for Michigan State. It's it's just a gut feel from what I feel. Hey man, I I was looking for it. Okay. I just couldn't make. I thought it you were going there for a second. All right, next game up. One and three, Wisconsin. The Badgers traveling into Champagne to take on the two and four Illinois Fighting Illini. This is into the afternoon now, a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Line, Badgers by 10, over under 42. Not our lowest one this week. You would think 42 would be. It's not. 80 degrees and dry. Vegas says something along a 27 to 17 Badgers win. 72% 72% of the bets are on the Badgers. Guess what? We got the Beetle Bowl, the, baby! The first annual Beetle Bowl. Yeah. First, the inaugural. There's been a lot of talk on the Beetle no, Bowl. No, I guess because Michigan, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin's down, yeah. so people are forgetting about them. Illinois is Illinois, so nobody wants to talk about them. I've seen a couple mentions here a little and bit. there, but it, it hasn't been much. But yeah, 42 is a low point total. 
But then you look at these teams, it's hard to see where the points are coming from. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Okay. Um, Illinois is sitting at two and four. Okay. You're a realistic human being. You didn't expect them to be at six and oh, correct? No. Okay. Did you expect them maybe to be closer to three and three at this point? Yeah, probably okay. th- probably three and three is what I was expecting at this so, point. So they're only one game under expectations, right? I just am saying not far off, okay? Yep. The Badgers, however, at one and three, and I guess what I'm getting at is like this all melds together to being like Illinois is pretty much what we thought they would be. Yeah. But Wisconsin's not. It is a realistic thought process that Illinois pulls this win out at home. Oh, it's not impossible. That's why I'm not getting – I haven't gotten too down on the Illini because you look at – the remaining schedule and it's just yeah, there's so much parity this year. There's there's winnable games left, and I, this is a winnable game. It is homecoming. If, too, if, by it, the way. Like, if Illinois pulls this out and they're three and four, if somebody walked up to you in August and said, "We have, Il- we're, I'm going to give you Illinois I would three take, and four with a w- win over Wisconsin," I would take it like Kramer taking the cafe latte deal with <laughs> with the coffee company, <laughs> where they're going to offer millions of dollars, and he just he says yes before they even get to the money part. He just takes the lattes. I would. I'd be Kramer with the lattes. <laughs> That's a good good analogy. Um, okay, Illinois. Do I feel some momentum here with Illinois? A I mean, there bit? is there is the defense is playing with, better. They're not without momentum. My first thing is the defense. The defense does look serviceable recently, which is strange. They, moved, looked, they looked bad early on against UTSA against Virginia. Looked awful in both of those games, and they still were showing a little problem against Maryland. But they were. Kind of dialing it in in Maryland. Had played good against Purdue. Played good against Charlotte. I mean, a good, Maryland, a spicy didn't, Maryland Charlotte didn't, offense. Maryland scored, I believe, seventeen points in that game. Uh, right? 20, 20, 20 to seventeen was the final. Okay, I think. but the last touchdown was late, so yeah. they oh, held. Yes. They held Maryland to thirteen points for fifty nine minutes or whatever. Or, and so up to that well, point, less points no, than Iowa. Actually, the last play was the field goal, so they held them to seventeen okay. for most of the game. My bad. Okay. Well, but it was five minutes deep. Left in the game, five minutes left in the game when they scored 10 more points. So it was 10 points all the way till five minutes left yeah, in the game. 10 po- yeah, it was 10 points. Maryland's got an explosive offense. I mean, that's and I know comparing Maryland's offense to Wisconsin is not, I mean, they, they couldn't be more opposite. I guess the point I'm trying to say is even if they didn't win that Maryland game, the defense looked good. Yeah. They looked I mean, that's good started against s- Purdue. They yeah. looked good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then the other thing is this new thunder and lightning backfield. They got with there you go. Chase Brown and with Joshua McCray. I feel really confident in them running the ball. No, I'm not outside of this game. I feel really confident in starting to run the ball. Yeah. But my, my big question here is how many yards can they get in against this amazing Badgers? Is there, is there, is their running game a good enough to get 100 yards against the Badgers? That is the question of the game. I think the over under question of the game. Yeah, because they're Set not. Set it. Set it. I, it's. I'm gonna say. I'll say 97. Oh my god, I said I had 95. Okay, my, so I'll take the under. Okay, but boy, you nailed it. That that's a good over under. I would say, and I would say if they get to 130, things would actually look pretty good. I would for say Illinois. if they can get to 130, that that means they're in a position to win the game because they're not gonna throw the ball. Now, Wisconsin still very high up in total defense for the NCAA ranked. Really low down, not low, but not as high as you would think they would be in uh, stop rate, which is another uh, article that was okay. that was put out by the Athletic. But lo- lo- lower in the stop rate. But looking at Wisconsin, I mean, not much has changed from Week One. The defense is elite, at least against the rush. It is yes elite. The offense is is putrid and not getting better. 
right? No, it's not. It's terrible. Like and, off the top of your head, can you think of a team that has had this much opposite from their offense to the defense, where maybe the defense was elite and the offense was bad, or the you know vice versa? I, I mean. I'm sure there's. T- I'm sure you don't have to go back that far, but it. It's that's crazy. A, that's a tough off the top of the head type. It of is thing. totally tough. But like, this is you know almost for sure a top Cause ten I can, defense and almost for sure a bottom ten offense. It's it's just crazy. I mean, I could go back to the 1994 Illini and they fit into that mold. Okay. okay. Just just throwing one out there. There but you go. No, I'm sure there's been one recently. I just I don't know off the top yeah. of my head, but it is it is putrid. The, the then, difference between the the defense and offense and will Graham Mertz play? I don't know that it matters. I'll be honest with you. Not I, weird. I think it, it might almost be better for Chase Wolf to play because Illinois hasn't seen him. They, he's not, they don't have a lot of film on him. It's almost you know it's like when the when the backup comes into a game and just rallies the team because they they've know, got yep. a totally different scheme. Yep. He's a different player. He has a different skill set. I don't know. It I, may actually I mean, help I would them. think if I was a Badger fan at this point, I would say, eh, try something different. Who cares? Eh, maybe, right. maybe Danny Vandenboom. Who knows? Throw him out there. Like, it, how could it look any worse? But the problem is maybe it could because the offensive line is struggling that much. And because the offensive line is struggling that much, the rushing attack isn't there. I mean, yeah, but Chase Wolf's a little more mobile than Mertz. Yeah, that too. Do you start incorporating some of that? Do you. Take a page from yeah. Northwestern to a certain degree, like where you just start. The whole world knows what you're doing, but you, you. I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. What I'm getting at other than try like option, like like quarterback read option stuff. Sure. Yeah. Something like, is different. Some, some of this newfangled stuff all the kids are doing these days and have been doing for the last or, twenty years. Do you just get stubborn and say we're gonna start running the ball and and we're gonna get better? Damn it. Because we're Wisconsin, this is what we do. Now, here's good news for Wisconsin. No better get-right game than Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. You want so, me to go first? Or? All right, you go for it. Here, here's, at one point, this was another upset special that I had. Okay. Um, that I read through a little bit, a bit. Like, when it was an upset special, as I foreshadowed my pick, I just thought, what happens if Chase Wolf just busts off a 60-yarder to start the game? And Illinois is up 7 to nothing. Oh, Chase you, Brown. Chase Brown, excuse me. If Chase Brown breaks off too many chases in this game. Yeah. If Chase Brown breaks off a 60-yarder early in the game and Illinois is up 7 nothing, you sit there and you're like, can Wisconsin come back right. in this game? Yeah. So if it's going to happen, that to me is how it goes, where he just slips through and goes, maybe Isaiah Williams, you know, gets behind the defense. All of those things can happen, but like, I look at both sides of the ball for both teams. There is one thing that just stands out. It's Wisconsin's defense, and it's Wisconsin's yep. defense against the rush. So I've got Wisconsin 20, Illinois 9. Okay. That is a one-point cover. Uh, almost made this my no, 20 to nine. I almost made this my Amador double barrel lock of the week 20 at 29 to... total points is quite a bit under the, the over under 42. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. It is quite a bit under. Yeah. I just said it was barely under. No, no, quite a bit. Under. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a bit. under. No, m- meaning uh, Illinois, the, the line between Wisconsin. Roger. And Illinois, my bad. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go not terribly far from that. Wisconsin 24, Illinois 13 for slight Wisconsin cover. And that's an under. And by the way, if you've noticed a pattern, the the unders have been hitting like crazy yes. the last two weeks. Yes. So I went I'm three and one last week on unders. So I'm either gonna, I'm just gonna keep riding it till it stops. It's a trend that's actually working. This Correct. Year. 
The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. So if you tried it, or if you haven't, hashtag ask for Amador. All right, next game up. We're into a couple good ones here. The 5-0, number nine ranked Michigan Wolverines coming into Memorial Stadium to take on the 3-3 Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is our lone game in the evening at 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Line Wolverines by three over under 52, 80 degrees and dry in Lincoln. Vegas is saying something like a 27 to 24 Wolverines victory. 80% of the bets are on Michigan. Boy. So, you know, I would say it's pretty acceptable that Iowa and Wisconsin have kind of separated themselves for the two best defenses in the Big Ten. Yeah. But for three, four, and five, uh, Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska. Nebraska probably That's probably the three, right? So we got we – got, Two of the top five defenses in the Big Ten. Not that surprising for me to say that now. However, if I would have said that again back in August, would have been kind of a surprise, correct? Yeah, would have been a surprise. Here's a little bit of a surprise. A little some more stats here. A little pick six previews again. Yeah. Just because he was throwing out the yards per play this week and I just grabbed on to a bunch of it. Nebraska and Michigan both tied at fifteenth in the country for yards per play on offense. On offense. On offense, yards per play. Yeah. I mean, interesting. It's interesting. And if you watch the games, it's not that surprising because, I mean, look at at Michigan versus Central Michigan. I believe that was the game where they scored nine times to start the game. (laughs) By the way, look at Central Michigan. That's not a bad football team for Mac level play. They played Western, though. Was it Western? They played Western, but Western's been playing. Maybe it's Western I'm thinking about. I thought so. Anyways. That'll that'll pump the stats up a little bit. And obviously they exploded in the second half versus Washington. Bogged down a little bit with Wisconsin. Uh, meanwhile, Nebraska, their offense gets bogged down every now and then. But you look at the stat sheet at the end of almost it Nebraska It always game, looks pretty good. It's, it's always 500 yards of I offense. Know. So their problem is just getting the ball into the end zone, though. Correct. They can move it well between the 20s, but not always as well inside. Now, here's what I want to see. Keep running that. That old school option. They're gonna. I love that. They're gonna. It's it's so much fun to watch. It's and it's working right now. The like, belly dive and the option pitch. I love it. They're doing the pivot back out of the backfield. You know, coming yeah. around the other side. Um, I heard Scott Frost comments this week that you know it wasn't something that uh, Adrian Martinez was comfortable at running at first. Okay. He looks comfortable running it now. I mean, maybe that's how you get yards for your running back. That Maybe that's the key. Well, the, the yards for the running back popped last week. Yeah. I mean, Yant and, and Ramirez, I mean, they were flying all over the place. Obviously, you had the one pitch out to Xavier Betts, and he ran for it. Not a running back, I understand that. Um, but I think that there's Nebraska did things on Saturday night that Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald 
had no preparation for. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of a, I don't want to say whipped it out of nowhere, but I think Scott Frost and the offensive coaches just said, bleep it. This is what we're going to do. The look of bewilderment that Pat Fitzgerald had on the sideline, you know, I want to take a picture and frame that it was because he just was like, I, I can't believe they're freaking doing this. Cause I mean, you just knew that they weren't prepared for that. Mix that in with, Maybe maybe a lack a little bit of lack of foot speed from the Northwestern defense. I don't think I'm being too critical of that. Now you fast forward to this week. There is no lack of foot speed on the Michigan defense, and they've got some film to look at versus what Nebraska did last week. Yeah, that's a that's a great point that they've got that on film now, so they can be prepared for that this week. Confidence is obviously high in Ann Arbor, and you know here's one of the things we've been talking about a little bit. If you know, if Cade McNamara is not playing that well, I think they probably have confidence to say, okay, we'll put McCarthy in there. Cade's going to start the game. He oh, deserves start the to game. start the game. When you're, when but you're I just, the, they got like an insurance policy they do. now. They do. Or, or this offense, this rushing attack is not working versus this stout Nebraska defense. Yeah. So we need somebody to come in and jolt Loosen the offense it up. through the passing attack, through the throw game. And a and deep throw game. Because he that can do hit, that. That can hit versus Nebraska. Yeah. If you look at some of the big plays Nebraska has g- given up, even versus Northwestern last week, sometimes some of the corners get a little bit peaky in the backfield and, okay. and wide receivers get behind them. That is something to very much keep an eye on. I do not expect Michigan to have a ton of success running the ball in this game. So if Michigan is going to put points on the game, I think that's where it has to be. Well, I wasn't thinking quarterback play. I was thinking Cade McNamara, but you bring up an excellent point with that. And Cornelius Johnson, he looks like a weapon now. And Roman Wilson's looking pretty good. And by the way, Michigan fans, I had no confidence in these staff changes preseason. And I was wrong. Correct. At least this a half a season in, when I, I look like I'm wrong. When I got interviewed on the, um, uh, the Basic Blues podcast, I, I joked about how you know our insiders and fans – they all tell us about the changes that were made and how this is going to work out for their team. Yeah. And all of our fans tell us that, you oh, know, yeah. so they can't all be right. First of all, they were, they've been correct. Michigan fans about this staff yes. changes. Like, well, they've been correct about the outlook on the season. Maybe, maybe even they didn't, they weren't aggressive enough. Potentially, but maybe it was a thing where, you know, maybe they, they started out, they started out with the rushing attack, having so much success you don't go away from success. You you lean into it, I think, as a play caller on offense. But the last week or two, I think you've seen them incorporate the downfield passing game more and more. And mm-hmm. like you just point out, they've got the dudes on the outside to do it. If Michigan's going to put points up on the board, that's where I think it's going to come from. Another thing to look at, and maybe this is one of, if not the biggest key in the game, even though I just talked about something separate, but Nebraska kind of quietly, you know, they switched a lot of faces around on their offensive line. Last week it worked. You could see them flying out and attacking that Northwestern defense. But now you've got some, it's still a very young offensive line. And you've got a grown ass man coming in with Aiden Hutchinson. And he ain't alone. I mean, there's other, there's other talent in that front seven. That is something to look forward to is like everybody talks about third down. Okay. Third down's huge. Don't get me wrong. In this game, for Nebraska's offense, first down is going to be the hmm. biggest down in the game. If they don't have first down success and they get put in second and three, second and third uh, long, 
against this Michigan pass rush with that Wisconsin or, uh, Nebraska offensive line that has been as leaky as any yeah. in the country, that is something for me to look look forward to. It's amazing how the outlook on a season changes so much after one blowout victory. I mean, just think about what we were thinking. You know, where where were we, we were putting this Nebraska program in our head a couple weeks ago. It feels totally different. Like I'm, I've got a lot more confidence than winning is the ultimate deodorant. And Michigan, so this is a big feel game for me. I have pretty good feels for Nebraska. I have pretty good feels for Michigan. I think the decider here is I just don't know how long Nebraska can keep their demons at bay. How long can we stuff that down and keep it? The turnovers, the penalties, the special teams, gaffes, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going with a Michigan victory here, and I'm it's gonna be twenty seven to twenty. So that's a Michigan cover, and that's an under again. Okay. But the the line, Michigan covering the three point line is my double barrel. Amador lock of the week. All right. Um, that's not where I thought you were going to go. Um, so last week, Northwestern got the angriest amped up two and three team ever. This week, Michigan gets the angriest amped up three and three team ever. Nebraska got the blowout that their fans had been looking for last week. This week, maybe even more important. I think they get the close win that their fans have been looking for. I have got Nebraska 28, Michigan 27. Shockingly, at 55, that is an over. It's an over. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the Big Ten game of the week. I think you could make a pretty plausible argument that this is the National game of the week this week. The 5-0 number four ranked Penn State Nittany Lions coming in to Iowa City to take on the 5-0 number three ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 3 o'clock p.m. game on Fox. Line shrunk down a little bit today. Hawks by 1.5 over under the lowest on the sheet at 41. Looks like it's supposed to be 80 degrees and dry for anybody that's going to be Attending the game, which yours truly will be there oh, on that's Saturday right. afternoon. Vegas is saying a 21-20 to 20 Iowa victory, which if there is a Iowa-Penn State score that, that you know Vegas is predicting, that's it right there, 21-20, to 20, right? Absolutely. Um, here's a Jamie Mack at the Just Cover blog. He says, it's number four versus number three because that's probably also going to be the score. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Well, I so that what was the famous was six to four? Didn't six Iowa to win, four. win six to four over six Penn to State? Four, which it's like lives 20, in infamy. You know, it was like twenty years ago though, wasn't no, it? No, well, it was fifteen. It's fifteen, 15 years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, quite quite some time. Fifty five percent of the money of the bets, excuse me, are on the Hawks. A um, couple things to throw out uh, in seventeen games at Iowa. Kirk Ferentz enters this game nine and eight versus Penn State. Wow, His no kidding. His home state team. He grew up a Penn State fan. Did he really? Yeah. There's brother, a... Brother-in-law played football at Penn State. So you don't get that from other podcasts. You I, just don't. I had no idea. Yeah. Nine and eight, brother-in-law. James Franklin, 0-8 versus top 10 teams. Still looking for his first win at, at Penn State wow. versus top 10 teams. Blow your mind even more with this one. This is the first matchup between top five teams in the Big Ten that didn't involve Michigan or Ohio State since 1962. Wow. Do you want to take a Wait, guess? Oh, I, I know this one. Yeah. It was Iowa and Minnesota, wasn't Close. it? Close. You got half right. 
Wisconsin and Minnesota. Oh, really? On okay. November twenty fourth, nineteen sixty two. Wow. How about that? Let, let's be honest. First of all, two teams playing each other that are both in the top five. I mean, it just doesn't happen very often to begin with. But yeah, you throw out Michigan and Ohio State from the mix, and it gets even more rare. So, all right, man, let's start out. What's uh, what? What are you thinking here? Well. Again, I want to reiterate that the Iowa defense, I'm now considering it an offensive weapon. Yeah. Okay, so I'm wondering, can Penn State's offense outscore Iowa's defense? Not, I'm not even saying – Iowa doesn't have to actually – their defense doesn't have to carry it into the end zone. I'm talking about putting their their team in a position to score. Um, so the other thing about Iowa, their passing game, eh, starting to show a little improvement. So is that enough that, to get you confidence? That, you though? saw that too. Yeah, but yeah. – how confident am I at that? Yeah, I'm so not sure. on both the the radio show and the podcast, I was asked about uh, Iowa's offense, and the the question kind of came out the same, which was, "Are you confident with Iowa's offense?" And I'm like, "I don't yeah. know if I'm confident," right. you know. But I really, honestly, thought I saw some sparks of better offense for Iowa, even versus Colorado State. It was happening in that game, and then it popped a little bit in the second half. Very much so looked that way versus Maryland. And that's a tough defense to have passing success against because they're such a rushing or a rush the quarterback type of defense. So I do think there is some positive uh, things to take out of that. The other side of it is, and you typically see this out of an Iowa offensive line, they kind of shuffle the offensive line a little bit. I believe it's getting, it's kind of getting itself soothed out a well, little bit. And you got to expect an Iowa offensive line is going to improve throughout the season, every season, just about. And I think this one is rounding out like most of them are. The center, obviously, we know all American. Both guards, I think, are now kind of what we thought they would be. Tackles, still young, still developing, but they looked a little bit better last week. They got a good warm up. Uh, against Maryland's pass rush going against Arnold Ibikiti and these other Penn State front seven. So that's something to look forward to. And also, I mean, really, Iowa's rushing attack started to pop versus Maryland after Maryland adjusted to Spencer Petras and the passing attack. So I'm very confused. I don't know what the pass, uh, the offensive game plan for offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz is going to be, is he going to come out throwing the ball to set up the run? That is something that I'll be looking forward to. So we know Jahan Dotson is a weapon for Penn State. You know, they got another weapon that's kind of emerging. Punter Jordan Stout has been having an outstanding season. Absolutely. And and our boy Perk, of course, I now I noticed this before Perk pointed it out. I was like, oh, I'm, I've got my eye on that guy because you know how much we love punting here Absolutely. on the Iceland Big Podcast. So he was already moving up in my mind in the Big Ten punt rankings, but he's he's in that top echelon so far. I mean, definitely two of the top three or four punters in the Big Ten are going to be in this game, if not two of the top punters in the country. And don't kid yourself. This The, the punters in this game, Tory Taylor as well, they are going to be immensely important Absolutely. to the outcome of this game. But here's the thing. Can you really gain a field advantage with with that good of a punter right. on the other That's side? That's a good question. Does it negate it I at that point? I think it negates point? it. Wow, that is a really good point right there. Huh. Um, yeah, you already brought him up. I'm going to bring him up again. I don't think – I love me some, some Hawkeye fans, right? But, like, I don't think they understand how good Jahan Dotson is. I don't know if enough know. people in the country understand. I don't think so. He is – like uh, Kirk Ferentz was talking about in the presser this week. He's like, there is no wasted movement. He comes out of breaks perfectly. He catches the ball, puts it down. 
you know what he reminds me of? KJ oh. Hamler. That's a really good comparison. Actually. I had a man crush on KJ Hamler. I've got a man crush on Jahan Dotson. I see a lot of draft boards. He is the number one wide receiver. All those Ohio State wide receivers, all the wide receivers across the country, many people think this is the number one wide receiver. The another thing I'd like to point out, not like to point out, but I feel like I have to point out, when there is an elite wide receiver going against Iowa, a.k.a. David Bell, there's been a couple. Sure. That's where I feel like that's the kryptonite versus this Iowa defense. That is something I, I, I it scares me. Yeah. But offsetting that is I don't think there's a defense in the country over the past two, three, four years that's been better at limiting big plays than the Iowa defense. That's what Penn State makes their sure. living off of is making big plays. I'm not saying I know who's going to come out ahead on that. I'm just seeing that is going to be one of the biggest factors in this game. Well, to me, the biggest X factor in the game is Jahan Dotson. But another big factor is Sean Clifford. He's been playing so well and so clean. Can he keep playing that way against this opportunistic Iowa defense? I feel like he can. And again, I'm going back to Jahan Dotson as the X factor. Now, the other thing here, defensive scores and special team scores lead to overs. We got a over under a 41 here. Pretty low. Doesn't Pretty take low. a lot of special teams I mean, defensive scores. 14 to 10 at halftime. You're trending way over. Yeah. 14 to 10 at halftime. Okay, so I'm ready to give my pick. Okay. I don't feel great about this, but I think the difference is Jahan Dotson. Penn State wins the game 23 to 20, so it's a Penn State cover and that's my only over of the week. That's your only over of yes. the whole week. Um yeah, uh I mean, again, Jahan Dotson, I mean, he never drops balls. Never. Like, ever. Like, I've never seen him drop. I don't think I have seen him drop. One. Got to try to throw that out there as much as I can. Uh, Sean Clifford's been here before. He literally won in Kinnick two years ago. Dotson played in that game, too. The offense for both teams, I believe, is going to look a little bit better than what people think. I think so, too. Think. Like, yep. I, I don't really think this is going to be a 13-10 to 10 game. I, I, I think it's going to have a big game feel to it. It's just my opinion that in big game feels – Points come out of it, so I think we'll see that here. Slow through the first half, but then a big play here or there, maybe defensively for Iowa, maybe offensively for Penn State that pops out. In the end, I just feel that it's one of those games where an Iowa kicker mm. splits one through the uprights. So I've got Caleb Shudak hitting a game-winning field goal nearly as time expires. Iowa 24 Penn State 23, so that's a Penn State cover at one and a half. I had the same score before it even dropped to one and a half, I swear to God. But at 47, I also have an over. Very good. Buddy, I can't wait for that game. It is Wednesday. I, I like my job. I, I Typically, the weeks go by pretty quick for me, even during football season. I swear to God, it should be Friday night by now. I cannot believe how slow this week is going. I have a job. <laughs> you said you liked yours. I'm just mentioning that I, I have one. It's good. Jobs are important. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.